0: Let's bow our heads now for a word of prayer. With our heads bowed, I wonder if there's any special request that want to be known. Before God, just raise a hand. And just underneath your hand, just hold your request. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this another time to be assembled together, this side of eternity. And we are looking this morning for a renewal of strength to come from thee to give us courage for the journey that lays ahead. We have gathered as the Hebrew children did on the early mornings to get manna that had been provided for them over the night to sustain them through the coming day. We gather for the spiritual manner this morning to give us strength for the journey. Beneath each of those hands that went up, you know all they have need of, Lord. And I pray my prayer with theirs before thee that thou will supply every need that they have need of. Heal the sick and the afflicted, Lord. We know thou art God and can do all things and have promised to do them if we could just do as the song has bid us. Only believe. And as we heard the glorious words, walk and talk with the King. Now, Father God, bless thy word as it goes forth this morning, and may it find its resting place in our hearts that it might bring forth the things that we ask for. Father, In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. amen. Thank you, Sister. I believe it's been said... I was happy when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Leaving Hot Springs yesterday, Brother Moore was saying, uh, Brother Branham said, you don't you drive down to Texas and with me at the convention down there? said, Rest up a couple of days. I said, I got two services tomorrow. <laughs> he said, Two services? I said, know." Yeah. Said the hard you preaching here, Said the man I ought to rest a week after each one of them. <laughs> said you take a pastor, give his Sunday morning message and so forth, so then he rests the rest of the week. He said, and maybe that'll be thirty minutes or something, and said, You preaching about two or three hours at a time, and said, then day after day, and sometimes two times a day, and then run a prayer line, all that discernment. Then so I say you're going home to have two services on Sunday? I said, Yes, sir said, how do you do it? I said, my help cometh from the Amen. Lord. Said. Amen. The hour is late. As one someone said a while ago in prayer as I just walked in, the hour is late and the need is great. And we're here to try to put our part in to help this great hour that we're in. Now, the Lord willing tonight... I want to speak on the subject is your life reputable to the gospel. That's, I want to tape that. And now I don't know whether they're going to tape this this morning or not. I see some over in the room. There's some of the fellows in there, I suppose they are. I, did, I thought Brother Neville to do this. I asked last Sunday just for him to have him go ahead with his message and then go ahead and let me just drop in with something behind him. But if uh, they want to tape the Sunday school lesson, why it'll be fine. And then, the Lord willing, next Sunday, that is, if the Lord permits and we're here, I want to speak on the subject that I've been wanting to for a long time and promised I'd speak those messages like that from the tabernacle first, those tape messages. I want to indict this generation for crucifying Jesus Christ. Next Sunday morning, the Lord willing. And now tonight at 7 o'clock or 7.30 is the uh, the, uh, message of is your life reputable? Now, sometimes when speaking on these messages like that, I say things that's pretty hard cutting. And uh, I don't really exactly mean it for this church here or something. Remember, when I'm speaking, that goes around the world, see. And um, we got a tape set up around the world. And they take these messages back in the jungles and everywhere. And the Holy Spirit sometimes leads me to say something that might be the very thing that He wants for somebody way down in Australia somewhere or something. So. Maybe some conditions you'd say, well, now that condition doesn't exist here. What does he say that part? Maybe it's for somewhere else. You see, so I'm sure you people understand that now, these messages are not directed to any. It's just directed to the church in whole, everywhere, Amen. and whatever the Lord would lead us to say and to do. Had a glorious time down in um, Hot Springs and uh, at an old-fashioned Pentecostal meeting. I'm sure many of you are satisfied that's Pentecostal people down there that <laughs> went out. Well, just, I don't know the group. I'm just supposed to go down for a week. I give two or three days, but I want to, to say one thing. In that meeting, they certainly had faith to believe if any of you was there, which I know this lady here sitting on the corner, I don't know who she is or right here. I, I know she was there, and I know a couple of brethren was there, Brother Jackson and them. Brother Palmer, that's what people get when they have faith, see? Notice that healing line? There was no one come in or one out, but what? God healed, see? And uh, so when you got faith in another thing, there might be some of you that might not understand that emotion. Dancing, shouting. Well, they just, they are not looking to any certain person. They're just shouting before God. See, that's all. What I want to say is one of the, one of the cleanest looking set of women I ever seen, that long hair and, and people from back there in the jungle, back in the bushes, but I don't believe I've seen anybody around that's kind of so modern looking, <laughs> you know what I mean with all kind of makeups and things on, and it shows, I might not agree with them in all they teach, but I sure agree there, <laughs> that. Look like Christians to me. So the Lord led me to speak on a subject yesterday, or day before yesterday at noon, just once more, Lord. And if the church, some of them there didn't know, I did that for a purpose because the Lord led me to do that. That little group was drifting into something. And uh, the Lord helped for that to to do it. (laughs) So... It was just wonderful. I certainly uh, you know, things goes on if you don't have a spiritual eye, you don't get it. Eh? You got to look forward to those things. I come in and this brother Ungren, that's about the second time I ever heard the man sing. Just as I walked into the room and singing, I walk and I talk with Amen. the king. I oh Lord, isn't that beautiful? How that the king ever see, walking and talking that means it's a constant fellowship. Not just in the church, but everywhere. Walk and talk with the king. And they were, looked up on the wall, and there was a card sticking on a little picture in there of a kind of a scene that a man named George Todd had had painted for me. I don't know why the man ever did it. Perhaps maybe he just didn't think. And he had painted it, and it's a picture of a mountain back in the forest and, and the brook Rippling down, and on the other side of the brook stands a doe and a fawn with their ears up, looking across the brook. I don't know whether Mr. Todd is here. I don't know him, but I want to say this: as the Lord spoke to me when I looked at that picture, and maybe he didn't know why he's painting it. You remember my little story about the deer that the fellow was going to shoot? His call. Well, she's there with her fawn <laughs> by the waters of life. In inspiration, how that the mother, a deer and her child was there. And I thought, yes, and on the other side where there is by the evergreen trees, I got a a mother and child over there also It's waiting there. Thank you, Brother, brother George Todd, if the man's here this morning. Now, I... Would have the Sunday school lesson I'm usually kinda of long with it. It's something that keeps moving on in my heart. I don't know since yesterday. Uh we if the Lord is a is a subject, I'm getting old, and I I don't know how much longer I'm to be here. But there's a great question in the church that's got man at variance and different ideas, just like the eating of the apple. And uh preached on this message, and I believe firmly can prove it by the Scriptures, that it was not apples. See? <clears throat> Caused a lot of confusion. So maybe before we leave, we got to go back now in about 30 days, you know, back to Arizona. And um, so if, um, before I leave, the Lord willing, I would like to take this Scripture And don't tape it. If you do, don't sell the tape. Don't let it get out. I want to explain the real truth of marriage and divorce. It's a question, and this is the last hours, that when all the mysteries of God should be finished, yesterday coming up across the mountains about daylight, the Holy Spirit seemed to say to me, Tape that and lay it away. I don't know why. But the real truth of marriage and divorce, some of them says, People can marry if they can swear they was in adultery, and others says, well, if they mistreat one another and, and they can't live together, it's better to live earth in peace and live in hell on earth, and all those different questions, and some marry them just any old way, and some wants to sprinkle holy water on them and turn them back and say they never was married and bless them and turn them over to the church again. There's all kind of confusion, but if there's that much confusion, there's your truth somewhere. I believe and say this is reverence. I believe the Lord has revealed it to me, and I, the truth. And if it would get amongst the churches, it would tear the thing to pieces, which maybe it ought to be. But it's. Uh, I'd rather just let the pastors, just let the pastors of the churches get the tape. And then let them play it, and then they can lead from there on. But I'd like to just tape that to show the real truth of it. I believe this is our when these mysteries are to be finished, Amen. completed. They've been struck on as we sat down through the ages of the tapes as we have brought those seven seals and seven church ages. And we're now facing the time for the seven trumpets and then the vials. And maybe we could put a two-weeks meeting and put both of them together. I'd like to get it taped. And then besides that, I'm trying now to get it proofread, and make books out of it, Uh, uh, church ages, seven books of the church age, seven tapes, and make it in such, we can get it done just as cheap as we possibly can, so everybody can get it. Then, if the Lord tarries and I move on, you'll see that the things that I've said in the name of the Lord will be come to pass just as it was said. Never has failed yet, and some of it has to happen later. And I, I trust that the Lord let us do that right away. We'll notify the people a time because there's many likes to come and hear those things. And I and I appreciate that. If nobody believed it or listened to it, what good would it do me to stand here and say anything about it? It'd be like casting bread upon the waters. It'd be like, uh, if no one was going to believe it, then it'd be like casting pearls before swine. But... There's thousands, times thousands, that believe that. And they hold on to every word. And we'd like to get as many in as possible when we when we get ready to have these services and uh, for the glory of the Lord. And we trust that God will give it to us. And I don't want to have that until I'm divinely inspired to do it. God has the time for everything. You mustn't go ahead of it if you cut your wheat before you put the combine in there before it's ripe, you'll lose the bigger part of your wheat. Yeah. So when the sickle's ready to be thrust in, God will thrust it in. Then we'll go to reaping. But I just want to feel pressed like that. I thought I'd shake out of it a little while. All day yesterday, I couldn't get it off my mind. All night last night, went to bed around 12 o'clock. had about three hours sleep the night before. Last night I couldn't sleep still. Something said, Tape that marriage and divorce. Yeah. So I... Uh, the Lord willing, if that keeps on my heart and the Lord shows me some more about it, well, then I'll, I, I may tape that, see. But remember, only for ministers. You come. But uh, listen, but the tape itself, let, see, because it gets out amongst the congregations and some this way and some that way they draw their own opinion. And I want minister brothers to have this in their own study and then let them go from there because they're the ones that's responsible. They're the ones. Like go down and play it to the judge. (laughs) Some of these squires. (laughs) See what the Lord said about this marriage and divorce. It's more sacred than people think it is. And it'll blend right in with the serpent seed. It's just the same thing, just moving right on. That's that mysteries. Remember, in the days of the seventh angel, all the mysteries of God should be finished. Those unknown things that the Lord would wind up. Now, so far, now remember, 7.30 is when you start your meeting. Yes. Now, Brother Neville, if you've got a message for tonight, preach it. See, it oh, won't sorry, take brother. me about an hour or 45 minutes, and I'll tape the rest of it. I like to listen to Brother Neville. I love him. He's my brother. And I, I think he's a marvelous speaker, a wonderful minister. And I, one thing about Brother Neville I like, when he says anything... He lives what he's talking about. Now, that's, that's the main thing. You know, you can live a fellow a sermon better than you can preach him one. For ye yourselves are written epistles read of all men. Now, that's before we, we can pull the pages back, but God has to open this Sunday school lesson. Amen. So let us just ask him to do that. Heavenly Father, we, we by faith look towards the future. I'm looking now by faith towards a coming something, Lord, upon the earth that's going to draw Thy people together. When we see the denominational churches so pinning down and getting so different, it's really pushing the people out, just as it was in Egypt, a pharaoh rising who knew not Joseph, as it was in Germany and in uh, up into Russia and Italy. The people raised up Joseph's, Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, who hated the Jew. They had to go back to their home life. God, you got ways of doing things that we don't understand. And you pressed them. No home in Germany, everything taken away from them, also in Italy, Russia. No place to go. And they were sent back to their homeland just to fulfill the word. Oh, the loving hand of God. How sometimes it looks cruel of the way that people suffer, but it still it's the tender hand of Jehovah leading his little children. I mean, thank you, Lord. Now I pray, God, as I see the day that the denomination is pressing the believers, excommunicating them, saying that their name must be upon their book or they're lost, have nothing to do with the other group. It's only the tender hand of Jehovah leading them to the tree of life. I pray, God, that each one, I know they will, because it's Your Word and it can't fail. And may we be led to the tree of life that we might be a possessor of eternal life, see the hand of God, and by the eyes of faith look beyond these shadows that we're walking in today, see the promised land laying just ahead. Bless thy word this morning, Lord, these few scriptures and notes that I got written down here. May the Holy Spirit come now as I dedicate myself to circumcision of tongue and thought mind, and the church dedicates her ears of understanding, her hearts, and all of us together, that you speak to us through thy word, for thy word is true. In the name of the word, Jesus Christ, we ask it. Amen. Now, turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. And now I want to read a portion of the Scripture from Exodus, the third chapter, from 1 to 12. Just listen on close as we read. Exodus, the third chapter, 1 to 12. Now Moses kept the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And the, and he looked, and behold, the bush burnt with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, which the bush is, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. I want to lay emphasis on that. And when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. God called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry by the reason of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrow." And I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land, a land large, and a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Habites, Juvenites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherein the Egyptians have oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. Did you notice? I have come down, but I'm sending thee. God going in the form of a man. Go. Let me read the 10th verse again. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee when thou comest forth Beg your pardon. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Not noticing before, but feeling very deeply inspired of the Spirit this morning. I caught that just then. God sending his servant back where he had run from, he gave him the sign of a mountain. Never noticed it to just then. This will be an eternal token unto you, see. Now, we're going to speak this morning on the subject of the second exodus of God's people or the calling out of God's people. Exodus means brought out, called out, taken away from. And I want to use that as a subject of the second exodus of God's people. Now, they've had many Exodus, of course, but I'm speaking on the time that God called an exodus, a separation from where they were at the present time. Here God is making ready to fulfill His divine promised word. That he had given to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob years, hundreds of years had passed. But yet God never forgets his promise. In the season, the due time, God always makes his promise right. Therefore, you can rest assured that what God has promised in this Bible, he's going to do it. Just no need of trying to think anything else and say, well, the prophet was maybe was wrong or that couldn't happen in this day. Look, almost impossible then. More impossible than it does now. But God did it anyhow because He promised He would do it. And look how simple He does it. I have come down. I heard the cry. I remember my promise. Now I've come down to do it, and I'm sending you. You do it. I'm going to be with you. Certainly, I'll be with you. My never-failing never presence will be with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid. I'm coming down to deliver. I'm sure the spiritual mind catches that. I'm going to send you to bring my people to an exodus. Call them out. And I'll be with you. Now, how how we can rest, how faith can catch that hope there. Uh God's going to do it. He promised it. No matter how what the circumstances is or what anyone else says, God's going to do it anyhow. Because He promised to do it. And He does it so simple that it uh, it goes over the, the understanding of the cultured. A mind who would try to reason about it. How could it be? I don't mean to say that a man now with a good, strong mind, fine education, that that man won't understand it. That's all right. Wonderful as long as he uses that, not to reason, but that culture that he's got to believe God. Let it be converted into the simplicity of listening to what God has said and believe it. This culture will help him, man. Notice... But when the man tries to reason it couldn't be done, then that drives him away from God constantly all the time. When he's trying to to listen to what... uh, His own understanding. See, if you don't understand and the Bible says a certain thing, just punctuate it, Amen. Just let it go like that. Now, instead of referring to these Scriptures, you can jot them down in this Sunday school lesson. But I would uh, maybe... If you'd like to look at it, but first I've got so many here. Let's before we can find out what this Exodus means, and I'm going to type the Exodus na, Exodus Dan, with the Exodus now, and watch if it isn't run exactly parallel. One of them is natural, and the very same things that he did in the natural, he's tightening it again, and typing it in spiritual. A spiritual exodus. Marvelous to see the Word of God. How anyone could say it's not inspired. This was about 2,800 years ago, you know. And how that He promised and what He's done and laid it out there for example. How He, he, he makes a, the shadow of something to testify of the, the positive. I get on that tonight between the moon and sun. The Lord willing. But first, we must review Genesis to see why they were down in Egypt. Why would God's people be out of that land? After all, God promised that right there where the beginning was with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Palestine, God gave them that land and said, this is it. Well then why would the people not be in the place that God provided them? That's the question of today also. God give us a Pentecost. He give us a book of Acts. He give us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. He give us a land. And why are we out of it? Well, why is the church out of it? Why isn't the great... Christian church today living again like the book of Acts bringing forth the same thing. There's some reason for it. We all know that we're broke up and we're in a terrible condition. And the most terrible condition that, that Christianity has ever lived in is today and we're on the, right on the brim or the brink of, of a great, terrific judgment laying for the church. And before this judgment can happen, God's calling an exodus. Just like He did then. The Amorites' sins was heaped up. So he, He's calling a, a spiritual exodus. Now, let's go back just a moment and type and find out. They went down in Egypt all because of the jealousy of a brother. That's the reason that Israel was in Egypt at that time out of the land. remember, God's promises was only as long as they stayed in that land. Now can you see what we were speaking in prayer a few moments ago? Why did God have to harden Pharaoh's heart? To put the people back in the Promised Land before he could bless them, to bring forth the Messiah to them. How did he have to harden Hitler's heart to be against the Jew when he was half Jew himself? How could he have to do that? Installing Mussolini. See people that's not inspired like a nation. God has to take the the things that they are living by, the laws of the land, many times to make His promises come true. So He had to harden those dictators' hearts to run uh, the Jew back to the promised land. It had to be that way. Now we find out that going down, Joseph, we know the stories. We go back into Genesis, and you can just read it, because... I'm just a little late to get started on this long Sunday school lesson. Now try to hurry. Notice, now read the story when you can of Joseph being born the later of his brethren next to the last. The spiritual mind will catch that right now. He wasn't the last child. Benjamin was. But in the excommunication, watch, Joseph and Benjamin were full-blooded brothers. And the only two that was brothers. Never did Benjamin get the recognition until he met Joseph. And above the rest of them, Benjamin's given a double potion of everything that Joseph gives. All right. Notice now, we find that down there they were, he was taken from his brothers because that he was spiritual. He was a great man. Although the humblest of the bunch. The least of the bunch. And they hated him without a cause. They should not have hated him. They should have respected him. Because, why did they hate him? Because he was a brother? Not exactly that. They hated him because that God dealt with him more than he did the rest of them. he gave him a, a, a spiritual understanding. He could interpret dreams perfectly. And he could foretell things that would come to pass perfectly just exactly the way they were. And he... Uh, And he didn't pull no punches. He stole the the dream of those sheaves bowing before his sheaves, and his brothers then got angry with him. He said, I guess then you little holy roller, in other words, we'll have to bow down before you someday. But that's the way it happened. How were those great big giants ever bow before that little insignificant fellow standing there? But they did it. They sure did and pleaded for mercy. But he hadn't come in power yet, you see. He was only then just in the child form. And then we find out by doing this that Joseph was taken from among his brethren, the denominations, and set out to himself, his brothers all in the land. And then there come uh, such a great thing. We realize that Israel, as long as they dwelt in their dwelling place and kept up... Now, that's one good thing to stay in the place. Positionally, that's right. But they got rid of the Spirit. The fundamentals today positionally knows what they are by intellectual conception of the Bible, but there's no Spirit. They've rejected Joseph. Turned him out. They wanted nothing to do with it. It's a bunch of holy rollers. It's a, we want nothing to do with it. They've excommunicated him. Sold him out to the world. They were out of their fellowship. Now, by doing that, they were taken out of place. Taken down into Egypt. Later on. Now, the story of this jealous brothers is certainly a great comparison with the spiritual side of it today. We we all are aware of that. That is pure jealousy. Not pure. It's old, dirty, filthy jealousy. See? There's no purity in jealousy. It's nothing but filthy jealousy. When they see of the same Bible and the nature of the same God that wrote the Bible vindicating Himself and then turn that down without a reason. Pure, well, pure as I said, it's dirty jealousy. Watching God heal the sick, raise up the dead, the same God that lived in the days of the apostles, the same gospel that they wrote for this spiritual journey, is the same God that does the same thing so that nothing but jealousy has excommunicated and we will not have it among our people. See? Run them off. They thought the brethren that they'd never have use for a man like that. So why not just get rid of him? That's what, same thing has happened today. They think that because that our churches has become intellectual, that we got the best dressed crowds, the biggest organization, the most smartest ministers, that we have no use of the Holy Spirit in the way that it was back there. That they are full, in other words, action speaks louder than words. That their seminaries and their the brain of their their being. And they're coming together and, and discussing this thing are more able with their own intellectual minds to set a church in order better than what the Holy Spirit could do. And so they don't need it any longer. It's something that we don't need today. It's the days of that is past. Now, isn't that just the right? We don't need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. We've got doctors. We don't need the Holy Spirit to speak with tongues. We're all intelligent people. And when you do, you take right from your framework the lifeline. Jesus said to them Jews in his days, Haven't you read that the stone that was rejected is a chief cornerstone? That all the building is setting upon? Now, you see what I mean? I'm sure you, you can catch that. That the the reason of it now is because they thought that they'd ever have a need of it. We don't need speakers of tongues. We don't need interpreters of tongues. We no longer need the Old Testament prophets to set us in order by the Holy Spirit. We understand it. See, they have adopted a man-made system to take place of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there's people that's elected, has their names on the Lamb's Book of Life. They can't go for that. They're spiritual-minded. Therefore, they cannot go for that. They can't stand it. No matter if their fathers and mothers lived in whatever organization or church, when a church makes adults, maybe it wouldn't speak that right out. Oh, no. They won't speak it right out. But their actions prove it. Here's the Word. And the Holy Spirit proves it amongst those when He can get them gathered together that He still heals the sick and raises the dead and speaks with tongues and casts out them. Yeah, so it depends on the what's on the inside of a person. It's Miss Oregon right there I was thinking that the other day sitting out there on the walk pulling out some grass <laughs> when she was cutting the lawn. I passed by right by her side and she didn't know me and I just let her go on. That's watching. Now, notice the Holy Spirit in His great work. The church feels that it don't need the Holy Spirit. The churches will tell you that, and the man can stand up and give you such an intellectual talk and almost make you believe it. Now let's stop there a minute. Didn't Jesus say that the two would be so close together he would deceive the very elected, if it was possible? the intellectual talks would be so smooth that it would, it would deceive the people it's gospel it's man who can handle that word in such a way that it could almost make any intellectual person if you're just trusting in their intellectuals they, they'd condemn the Holy Spirit and, and take the way of the man we see that now, that's the same thing they thought about Joseph. And they got rid of him. And all oh, down in Egypt. Oh, how we can think how I could spend hours. You could stay here for three years and never leave that subject. Day and night. And still be finding the great kernels of the Holy Spirit. The spiritual mind can look down in Egypt. And see that persecution rise. Then see Joseph taken away in order that the persecution could rise. And then see God with His wheel in the wheels. Everything moving around just perfectly. See Potiphar reject Joseph. See that lie told. And see Joseph in the prison. And his beards growed out. Excommunicated from his brethren. But then... All of a sudden, God moved in. How we can see that wheel in the wheels moving. God's great plan moving everything up to this exodus. To this time when He would call His people back in the land again. Back in the place and position. Where He could bless them and place among them. The one that He promised He would place among them. Amen. They had to be in their land. Remember, they had to come out of the land that they were in and get into the land of promise before their promised Messiah could ever come. Amen. And the church has to do the same thing. Amen. Get out of that group of rejectors over into the promised before a Messiah can ever be manifested before them. You see it? The life of the Messiah manifested, making a church-ready a bride, a woman marry a man and disagreeing with him, it would be some kind of a, a fuss continually. But when a man and his wife, his girlfriend, is espoused, when they're in... Perfect harmony like one soul and one mind because we're going to be one flesh. Amen. Then when the church can get in such harmony with God until the manifestation of the bridegroom is manifested in the bride because they're going to be one. Oh what a great lesson. All right, now remember, the spiritual mind, picking this up, can see the type and the antitype, and pick it for one, just, we could go hours on it. What's what takes place, and why have we waited all these years since this oasis of time? You know, the Bible speaks that the church fled into the wilderness, where she was nourished for time and time. Why has all this been that we... You see, it's still God's wheels in the wheels. Why hasn't God did this long time ago when man sat down with pencils and, and women and tried to dri- draw out just the time like Judge Rutherford and many of them at Jesus coming 14 and and the mother shifting it way back behind that and so forth all these times. And see, when going by the But what they've tried to figure out the Scripture, see, they ruined it. It's hid. It's actually hid. And how could the Scripture go against itself when Jesus said, no man knows the men hour"? See, they just get one piece of Scripture and hold it. You must take the whole thing. Then if God is in that, then God will manifest that to be the truth. Like divine healing. If it isn't truth, then it isn't truth. God will have nothing to do with it. But if He manifests it to be the truth, then it is the truth. Just as Jesus, God said, if there be one among His uh, prophet or spiritual, I'll speak to Him. And what He says comes to pass, And hear it. That's it. But if His prophecy is wrong, then God can't be wrong. He's infinite, infallible, omnipotent, and He cannot be wrong. So if the man... If speaking, then it shows the man, if he spoke his own words, it'll fail. But if he speaks God's words, it can't fail. Because it's God speaking. Then his inspiration comes from God. And it'll, it has to be right. That's why God said to tell it. That's why the, in the Old Testament he said, if they speak not according to the law and the prophets, that's because they have no life in them. No light in them. Right? They have to speak according to the law and prophets. And a prophecy or anything else must be according to the Word. If it is, isn't, it's wrong. Okay? Now, we find out that all this has took place because weighted revivals, the Methodists, the Lutheran, the Baptists, the Camelites, and, and all different ones, they've had great revivals. The Nazarene, Pilgrim, Holiness, Pentecostals, all had great revivals, but the great exodus hasn't come. Why? God told Abraham he'd keep him in the land right then, but the, the iniquity of the Amorites wasn't yet full. And God has waited patiently. Then people trying to figure out, they can see the Scripture run right into something, run right into something. They said, this is the day, this is the time. But you fail to understand that the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet fulfilled. 400 years they would journey down there in Egypt and be brought out. But they actually stayed 440 years because of the rejection of the prophet. They had to suffer another about 40 years down there in the wilderness before God brought them out. Moses was out in the wilderness 40 years before he ever returned back to deliver them. You see, 40 years went over time-lapsed because that they rejected the message now, forty years in God's time would be about one and a half minutes to our time. That's how much difference it is. A thousand years is only one day. What be even a minute? All right. Notice in that. Now we are running late. Why? God's been long suffering, waiting, watching. Let the the Lutheran rise in a revival, then organize. Let the Methodists rise in the revival. Organize. Let John Smith of the Baptist Church rise up in the great revival. Organize. Let the Pentecostals raise up with the restoration of the gifts. Organize. Until the iniquity gets plumb full, then God's tired. Then there comes an exodus. And we see it that the people themselves can see back down the stream of time that the thing is cursed. They take a wedge and a fine Babylonian garment again. And that's the thing that curses amongst the people when man tries to inject his own ideas about things. We've got to stay with that word. That's the commandments of God was not to touch nothing in that city, that cursed city. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. And Achan thought that he could take this gold wedge and live pretty decently like the rest of the world and find Babylonian garment. Oh, at the Achan's in the camps. (laughs) Hmm? But the thing's cursed. And it continually is cursed. It was cursed since the very Nicaea council at Nicaea, Rome. Been cursed ever since. But God's let the iniquity fill up until the time of the Amorites is about fulfilling now. Anybody with spiritual understanding—remember, I'm keep quoting—spiritual understanding. You can see that the iniquity of this nation is filled up. Amen. She's organized and reorganized and organized and organized, and now she's confederated and joining with something else. Amen. The iniquity is filled up. It's time for Exodus. Time for a calling out to the promised land. Hallelujah. Not the promise, just another country to go to, but a home. Amen. The millennium. Time for a, a calling out. The iniquity of this nation, strike on again tonight, the Lord willing, is filled up. She's filthy. You say, Brother Branham, the nation you live in, yes, Certainly. You say, you, as a citizen of the United States, you shouldn't say that. Then Elijah shouldn't have called a curse upon Israel of him being an Israelite, then. The rest of the prophets should never curse that nation that they were Israelites under. Hallelujah. But they only spoke not their own thoughts, but the Word of the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hmm? Depends on where you're drawing your inspiration from, depends on how it's coming. And if it's contrary to the Word, leave it alone. I ask anybody to prove that that's contrary to the word. Did not the Bible say in Revelation 13? That's where this nation appears. This nation is numbered 13. A woman's nation. It's a woman in the Bible. Woman's on her coins. It's a woman's nation. It's where the rottenness of women began, starts, where it ends at. The rottenness started in Eden. by disbelieving God's word. Here's where it hatched out. Women preachers and everything else. The filth of the world comes right out of Hollywood. The worst nation in the world, more divorces than the rest of the world put together. See? Why? You'll find out one of these days, the Lord willing. You'll see why this cursed thing. You can see the blindness of this divorce stuff that Satan's pulled over the eyes of the people. We're in a terrible hour. The end is almost at hand now, I believe. Rotten, rotten to the core. She appears in Revelation 13, number 13. And remember, it raised up like a lamb. Freedom of religion. But then it received power from the beast. An image like it. And he spoke with all the authority and done the same rotten things the beast did before him. Then tell me it's not prophesied. Of this nation the Amorite condition is just about right because you are already working in it and even our new uh, Pope his main purpose is to unite the brethren together and to the natural eye it's the thing to do but in the eyes of God it's contrary to the Holy Spirit we can't mix up with that And every church will be called into that federation. Get out of that thing as quick as you can. You'll take the mark of the beast not knowing what you're doing. Get out of it. I hope the spiritual mind can catch it. I'm sure you do. But I wonder out there. Anyhow, if you can't visit every nation, you can send tapes to it. God will have some way. They catch that mind out there where that seed's sown. Right. And as soon as the light strikes it, it's gone. It takes life. Like the little woman at the well, she said, there it is. She caught it. Amen. Get out of that thing. It's cursed. Cursed? Tell me where one ever fell and rose again. Tell me one ever raised it and didn't fall. <laughs> so you can see that the thing is wrong. All right. The iniquity wasn't full yet of the Amorites, so they had to linger and wait before the exodus. But when the Amorites got their iniquity filled, then there come a spiritual exodus or natural exodus to lead the people to a natural land where a natural Amorite had once dwelt, called that their land. And the iniquity of the Amorite denomination... Has called themselves the church so long till their iniquity is about fulfilled. There's coming an exodus where Amen. God will show who's who. Where the church itself, the bride of Jesus Christ, will be exodus out into the land that's Hallelujah. promised in my Father's house. There are many mansions in this place. You don't have to go out and fight like they did. It's already prepared. If this earthly tabernacle of dwelling be dissolved, we have one already waiting. That where I am, there ye'll be also. The great exodus at hand. Watch how God did that exodus. What what preparations He made. And study just a minute. Then look at today. All right. Notice before this exodus, there raised up a a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. See? See? A Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, didn't know Joseph. What was Joseph represented? The spiritual part in this spiritual exodus. They're raised us up now. We are freedom. The woman was nourished for a time, time, and a dividing of time. But finally they raised up a, a, Joseph, or a Pharaoh, dictator, who knew not the freedom of religion. Uniting them together. Don't let it pass you. There come a time where there was a Pharaoh first had to come. And the organizations lived lusciously, lived as a grafted uh, branch into the real vine of Christianity. But it's still bearing its original fruits. Women half-dressed, man-intellectual, and denying the power of the Spirit. But it's lived under the name of a Christian church. It's a grafted vine. But the husbandman's coming by now to prune that vine. As he said he would do. And all those that don't have the fruit is cut off and thrown into the fire and consumed. It's an awful thing to say, but truth sometimes seems awful. It just tells you how God takes his children through the deep waters and the miry sands and things. He does it that way. Remember the the pot must be broken to shivers, sheaves, little pieces to be remolded and ground again. Looks like a terrible thing to destroy it, but it has to be done thus in order to get the pot remade again, the vase or whatever you're making. There was a pharaoh who raised up who did not know Joseph, and that was the beginning of the beginning. That was the beginning of the Exodus. And when that thing began to form under a a political power, began to form, God began to get ready. The iniquity of the Amorites was fulfilled. The time that He promised Abraham was fulfilled. And the time of deliverance was at hand. And God permitted a Pharaoh to raise up who knew not Joseph. And Ramesses was born. And um, right after Sadie come Ramesses. And Ramesses was that one who knew not the blessings of Joseph. And, and he didn't know what the spiritual side was. He was only a political uh, genius that he could take Ethiopia and all the rest of the countries under military might. And that's all he knew was the the military might. And I think if any man was spiritual could see what's taking place now. Amen. We're getting a Pharaoh who knows not freedom of religion. Amen. Amen. When our president took his office, he would not swear to that, that he believed in freedom of religion. What about the other day when we had this question of segregation down in the South? When this governor of, of Alabama, I wish I could talk to that minister, that uh, uh, Martin Luther King. How can a man be a leader and leading his people into a death trap? If those people were slaves, I'd be down there in my coat off beating away for them people. They're not slaves. They're citizens. They're citizens of a nation. The question of going to school, them people, if they've got a hard heart and don't know those things, you can't drive into a people's spiritual things what's beat in there with political powers. They've got to accept that. Be born again, then they'll see these things. But this man, if I could only speak to him, leading those precious people under the name of religion into a death trap where he's going to kill thousands times thousands of them. They don't, they just get the, the natural side. This man, the colored brother, when that great uprise come in Louisiana, I was there at the time. When the, the, the colored minister, precious old brother, stood up out there and said, uh, ask the militia, could I speak to them? They're my people. And this old minister stood up out there and said, I want to say this morning, I never was ashamed of my color. My maker made me what I am. That's where he wants me to remain. That's why he wants every man to remain. He makes white flowers and blue flowers and all colors of flowers. Don't interbreed them. Don't cross them up. You get against nature. He said, I've never been ashamed of my color until this morning. He said, when I see my people rise up and do the things they're doing now, he said, it makes me ashamed of them. Oh, God bless that voice. He said, you're only going to cause trouble. He said, look at the schools here. If we had no schools, said, it wouldn't be different. But who's got the best schools here in Louisiana? He said, let's take, for instance, our city, Shreveport. I said, there's the white school over there. It's the old school. They build us another one. They haven't got one instrument, one plaything for the children. We got a yard full. And besides that, they build us a great big marble swimming pool for our children. And we got the best of teachers that can be gotten. So why do you want to go over there when we got a better here? What's the matter with you? He said. And then people just rah they deaden the voice. There you are. See? Wrong inspiration. That people were slaves. They're my brothers and sisters. If they were slaves. I'd say, let's just join with them and go down through the street and protest that thing. They're not slaves. They're citizens of the same rights anybody else has got. It's just a bunch of inspiration coming from hell to cause a million of them to be killed. They start a revolutionary. Certainly it is. It's not right. Men and women have their own rights. Our colored brothers and our Japanese and the yellow, white, black, and whatever they was. there's no difference in the color of a God. We all come from one man, Adam. But if God separated us and turned us different colors, let's remain that way. If I was a a yellow man, I want to remain a a Japanese or Chinese. If I was a a, a colored man, I want to remain that way. God made me that way. Frankly, there's a lot about the colored race that the white race ought to have. They don't have the weary, they're more spiritual. There's a thousand things about them that the white man can't even touch. God made them thus. Who could ever outsing sing a colored choir? Where could you find voices? I've seen them come from the lands back there, do you know which is right and left hand? 30 or 40 different tribes of them, and they sing to a place, the master stand there and I just can't catch it. He trained choirs for years, and wanted to be off the high and low and everything. So he said, listen to that just perfectly, even in different language. They're gifted. But you see... All this stuff has to happen. All because of a politician that you people elected with your crooked machines. And the other day when that governor stood there, sworn and elected into that office by the people, and the question of segregation according to the Constitution is that each, each state can take its own thought about that. He didn't care. But he read the Constitution and said, now the school stands for segregation. they got a school over there, and only two colored children wanted to enter that school when they got their own college. But he stood and said, why he didn't read the Constitution? Then when it come back to this fellow we got up here that knows not Joseph freedom, pulling for those colored votes, and not knowing it was the Republican Party that freed them in the first place, selling out their birthrights, there's such a thing as that to lead him into a death trap to show that every man-made system's got to fall. Ever. Exactly right. Ever. And Mr. Kennedy nationalized that guard and sent those men right back into the face of their own father standing there under the Constitution that broke the Constitution again. Ever. He said, we're not fighting. No, sir. He said, I hope the nation can find out that we're not living anymore under a democracy, but under military dictatorship. You know the old saying, once the Southern Democrat always, I don't know now. <laughs> Surely a man will have sense enough to wake up to something. Let those precious people alone, don't kill them off. down there like that guy shot that uh, brother in the back the other night with that gun. And his little children and wife in the house, I don't care who he is, that's low down and little. Yes, sir. I'd like to be the judge on that case. once. Shoot that man coming home to his wife and children. He's a citizen. Has a right to stand for what he thinks is right. A good man. Picture in the Life magazine, that little boy crying for his daddy. And some renegade out there, shoot him in the back. Out of an ambush. That's what you get to when you reject Christ. Amen. That's right. That's where the whole nation's got to. All under politics. It's such a shame. But that's what we wanted. We proved it in this election. My little son said to me this morning, Daddy, the pilgrim fathers, when they come over here, where they all belong to this certain denomination of church, where they all said so they had on big coats, and I said, no, honey, they come here for freedom of religion. That's what they come here to get out from under such stuff as that. You see where it's got to now? It shows that all these kingdoms must fall. I must hurry. One thing I pray that, Brother Martin Luther King will certainly soon wake up. He loves his people, there's no doubt. But if you just only see where his inspiration. What good would it do if you went to school and a million of you laying in dead? would it just be going to school just the same? Not for, for hunger, if it was for something other than slaves. the man would be a martyr to give his life for such a cause, a worthy cause. And that would be a worthy cause. But just to go to school, I, I don't see it. Amen. I don't think the Holy Spirit's agreeing with him at all on that. It's got the people all worked up in a bunch of ballyhoo, you see, just just like Hitler did over in Germany. Let them right into a death trap, them precious Germans, and they laid by the billions or millions piled up there on top of one another, and that's exactly the same thing. And remember, I'm on tape. You'll yeah, see that maybe after I'm gone. That's exactly what's going to happen. Them precious people will die down there like flies. Starts a revolutionary, both white and colored will fight again and die like flies. And what you got when it's all over a bunch of dead people. But they're raised up a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. The same thing today a man's raised up and took oath in the in the White House that will not swear to his oath, will not take his oath that he believes in freedom of religion. What's this new Pope saying? One, four things that he has, one of them is to unite the Protestant and the Catholic together. Yeah, sure. And to any intellectual person, that's the thing to do. Yeah. But according to the Bible, it's a wrong thing to do. Yeah. And the Bible said they would do that. Let's go a little farther. At this time, Ramesses in Egypt was growing. His power is growing. The natural man Ramesses was growing. The natural man, the Antichrist, is growing now. Through politics, he's already got to the White House. In religion, he's got all the people so scrupled up that actually they'd fall right for it. And the denominational leaders, practically every church that there is in the nation is already in the confederation of churches. Ramesses is growing. And they're all uniting together. And that's what they'll have. And what does it do? It makes the power of beast just like the first one. Then there's a persecution coming upon all those who won't unite with it. And the boycott. It'll be too late then. You've already tucked the mark. Don't say, I'll do it then. You better do it now. Rameses was growing. But remember, while Rameses was growing into power in Egypt, God had Moses in the wilderness. He was growing too has had a political system. God had a spiritual system under a prophet. Amen. Ready to come Amen. down to speak to the people. They're both growing again. It'll <laughs> be a showdown one of these days. The time ain't far off when there'll come a showdown. As a natural, as the scripture says, the natural type, the spiritual. You can't get away from it. There it is. It's right before your eyes. It's true. Look at the church now calling out, coming into power. The Holy Spirit coming down, the mysteries of God being revealed and set in order. See? And right here, she's already in the White House and the church is pulling itself together. Amen. Not a denomination out of the bondage of iniquities. Away from the Amorites. A people that's free. Oh, God had Moses, his to-be prophet, though he had already prophesied, and it proved that he was right. But yet, he was in the school of wilderness, hid away from the rest of the world. But he was school, being trained out in the wilderness. The enemies will propose always uh, his system. And unbelief will accept it because the enemy is the intellectual sign. Now remember, there's only two. Don't forget this. There's only two powers. One is spiritual power of the Holy Spirit. The other is the devil working through intellectual power. For that's where he entered in the Garden of Eden through intellectual powers to make Eve believe in intellectual conception against the Word. Just as plain as it can be, the kids could get that. And that's the way it's been all the way down. Here it is in Egypt this morning. There is an intellectual power working in Ramesses, bringing him up to power, raising him up who knows not the freedom to let what Joseph had done, what the church had done in the beginning. And now we see the same thing, an intellectual power weaving among the churches, and it's raised up to an ecclesiastical head that don't care about what the Bible said. They've got their own system. It's not what the Bible said. It's what the church said. And the Protestants weave right into that to all their little groups like this. Well, sure, well, I know it says this, but I'll tell you, them days is gone. Farm of godliness is denying the power. Every scripture in the Bible points straight to it. Ever. Now you see why I want to tape this and send it to the people. The hour has arrived. Truth's got to be known. The exodus is at hand. See, the the intellectual part looks perfect. And it is perfect. It's exactly but perfect, the inspiration of Satan. And then all the time that this intellectual Ramesses was growing and coming to the throne. And remember, he raised up as a brother to Moses. Moses. See? A brother to Moses. One of them had to take the intellectual seat. Just like Joseph to his brethren. And what did they do with the little Joseph? Excommunicated him from the Word. The Word's God. And they excommunicated the Word and accepted a creed. And now the creed has grown to power. God let people see that! How can I use any more voice... How can I make it any plainer by the Scriptures under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we're here? Amen. Oh, you say, well, now, if that comes from Pope John or Pope so-and-so or Bishop so-and-so, do you see that God took a little insignificant desert dweller? Amen. Say, how can all of it be wrong? God deals with an individual. Amen. Not with groups, with individual. God getting his, his, getting his, only thing he had to have is one man that he could operate with. That's all he wants is one man. He's tried to get it through every age. If he could get one man, he got one man in the days of Noah. One man in the days of Elijah. One man in the days of John the Baptist. Just one man's all he needs. In the days of the judges, he tried to get one man. Samson give him great power, but he sold it out to a woman and was blinded. It's judges. It wasn't sold. God's a judge. You see, today he's trying to get one man that he can get in his hand that'll tell the truth. That'll be fearless with it. That won't pull no punches. That'll not be dogmatic. One man that he can hold in his hand and show his word alive and show himself alive. Amen. I believe he could get such a person ready. Amen. I do. I believe it. I'm just believe the Bible enough to believe that. Amen. He could get it. That's right. It would tell the truth. After a while, we find out. After you went through all these schools. Now watch. The enemy proposes something. The intellectual mind, because the enemy is working on intellects. And the mind will sit down and reason it. And say, now wait just a minute. Isn't it so that a council? I talked to a man the other day, and he said, "Look, uh, Billy, you work for the public service company, a fine man." And he said, "I want to ask you something." He said, "You're an Irish?" I said, "Yes, sir." I said, "I'm kind of ashamed of it, but uh, yet I am." And he said, "Well," he said, "Don't you know that you, really really should be Catholic?" I said, "I am." <laughs> The original Catholic. <laughs> Do you know the first church was the Catholic Church? You see where it's got to today? It started at Pentecost, but the organization set it where she's at now. Lucky Pentecost, come right back and organized under thing of the first Catholic Church, and they're almost as far away today as, they, as they've been in 2,000 years. The 50 years has brought them almost to it. He said, don't you believe that when a group of ecumenical minds hey, Sets together and reasons something. And the entire group can agree. Don't you think they'd be just a little... I come to hear you preach. He said, but I disagree with you. And I said, the only way you can prove that your disagreement's logical is prove it by the Bible. He said, the Bible has nothing to do with it. I said, to you it might not, but to me it's all to do with it. It's the Word. And he said, don't you think that a bunch of ecumenical minds setting together... Could be more right and being sure of being right than just one little uneducated (laughs) fellow like yourself? And I said, Well, what business you got to say anything against that Bible, or against our our church? When there's been down through the age, when they had the first church council, as you spoke of there one night, we heard the church ages of the uh, ecumenical council gathering at Nicaea, Rome, and formed the Roman Catholic Church said don't you know there was thousands of man's spirit God sent man set in that council and don't you think if their mind would be more subject to know the will of God and yours down here after God has proved through two thousand years at that that church is right I said he 's never proved it I said, if that church is a church of God, let us see it bring forth like the first church did then. Amen. Let us see it produce the things they did in the first place. Amen. When even in the Bible says that even not one tittle or one jot shall fail from it. And he said, whosoever shall take one word away from this or add one word to it, his part will be taken outwards, the ecumenical council or whatever it is from the book of life. It's finished. That said, Billy, you're just erratic. And I said, then I guess one time in the great dignity of Israel, when they had separated like the Protestant and Catholic has today, Israel wanted to remain Israel. But I said, we find out that they had a king named Jehoshaphat, a righteous man who tried to keep the, the, the laws of God. But they had another one over here named Ahab who married a woman Politics, trying to get friends with another nation and married one of their daughters, Jezebel, and brought her into the among the people of God. Same thing that we're doing. I'm bringing in, and she become a ruler. Make Ahab say this, make Ahab say that. Same thing they're doing now. And I said the showdown comes. They wanted to unite both churches together, as they're trying to do now. And, and to Ahab, and even the Jehoshaphat, the organization man, said, yes, that'll be fine. Your people are my people. We're all Christians. We're all believers. Let's get together. But when he got down to the showdown, he said, don't you think we ought to go to prayer about this? We ought to consult the Lord. And he said, yes, said Ahab. So he said, I'll tell you what, uh, let's find the prophet of the Lord. But you see, Ahab had a system that he thought was of the Lord. He said, I got 400 of them, schooled and trained. And they claimed to be Hebrew prophets, as a ministerial groups does today. And they brought them out and asked them a question concerning the, the outcome of the battle. And every one of them got together and united, just like the Ecumenical Council does today. And they come up with the question, go up. The Lord is with you. For that land truly belongs to us. And push the Syrians out of there, of the Philistines. Push them out, because the land belongs to us. That sounds very reasonable. See? But yet down in the heart of Jehoshaphat, it didn't sound right. He said, I know you got 400 well-trained ecumenical ministers there, and they're all with one accord, even to the made a pair of iron horns, and said, Thus saith the Lord. But could we just find another one? <laughs> <laughs> he said, Let not the king say so, the politician said. Let not the king say so, for because these men are trained men. I've trained them myself, that's it. Uh, that's it I've trained these men but there is one more but I hate him said that's Micah the son of Imran but said I hate him he isn't nothing but a renegade among them he's always balling them out he's always telling me that I'm wrong look at my kingdom yes look at it (laughs) look what a mess it was in Look at your denomination today, having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. <laughs> or you may be a million more and a thousand more and better trained man, but where are you at in the spirit? Amen. Where is your strength that was in Samson when he stood there, as I said today, with all of his big framework there and every fiber in there, but no life in it? The spirit left him. Amen. He was helpless, the little kid leading him around, blinded eyes because of some woman. Same as the church is today. Let around politics, bishops, elders, and all kinds of stuff. Men pulling straws to get something in their hat and everything. Where are we at? So when we come to this spot, they sent and got Emblem. Or the, not Emblem, but Micah, the son of Emblem. Sent and got him. And he prophesied and told him that Ahab would get killed if he went up there. And that archbishop smacked him in the mouth. He was honest about it. He said, where did the Spirit of God go when it left me? He said, you'll see. He <laughs> said, put him in the prison. Put him in inner jail. And feed him bread of sorrow and water of sorrow. And when I return back in peace, said, I'll deal with this fellow. And Nimlin, knowing that he was right with God, why his vision compared with the word? Right. He was a prophet, and his spirit and his vision was exactly with the prophet Elijah. Amen. He said, if "You returned all, then God hasn't spoke to me." Now I said to this fellow, which was right: the Ecumenical Council were four hundred elected men set together, elected by man or one little renegade elected by God. Well, he said, well, how would you know the difference? I said, back to the blueprint. How do we know to build a building? That's just the blueprint. Amen. If they'd have stopped the man and found out that that prophet Elijah cursed Ahab and said the dogs would lick his blood, and they did. How could he bless what God had cursed? How can you bless anything that God has cursed? Get out of the thing. Get away from it. Come into Christ. Amen. Now, notice, but the enemy will proposition; the enemy will purpose a thing, prepare it in the intellectual mindset. That's right. That's where this precious brother was. This man, he said, look like, look here. You know that if all of us to be together is one church, don't you think we'd be better off and scattered the way we are now? Don't that sound reasonable? if all the Protestants and the Catholics could get together and come to some mutual ground. But how can two walk unless they be agreed? Amen. How can you, when one group here don't believe in healing, the other says they do believe, in, the other puts it on some other time back, some don't even believe the Bible. And put that together, what do you got? God's no author of confusion. Before God could ever set His church in order, they waited ten days and nights so they all become in one place and one accord. And there comes the Holy Spirit. Amen. For leadership. Not some ecumenical council. See? I hope you get this. Notice. That is the unbeliever unfaithful to the Word of God. That don't notice what the Word says, but notice to your own reasonings. That's what Eve done in the first place. She relied upon her reasoning. Satan said, now look here, isn't it reasonable? I know the Word says that, but wait a minute. Isn't it reasonable It you'd it be better off if you know right from wrong? Well, yes. Then she took it. Sure. That's the way the reason. Now, unbelief will always goes to reasonings. But faith won't touch it. Wouldn't it have been reasonable to our Father, from which is the Father of our faith, Abraham, that we're His children by in Christ? Wouldn't it have been reasonable that a woman 65 years old and he'd lived with all, since she was a girl, could not have a baby? And when she was 100 years old, or 90, and him a 100, and still no baby, wouldn't reason some great staff of doctors and science give Sarah an examination and said, well, her womb's dried up. The milk veins is dried 40 years ago. Her heart, at that age, she couldn't go into labor. Well, it's only reasons, but Abraham refused him. He staggered not the promise of God through unbelief against reasons. He staggered not at God's promise. No matter what it was for you, he, he had counted God able to perform everything that he said he'd do. Amen. Now, where is the children of Abraham this morning? You ministers that are afraid you afraid of your bread and water on the street if you leave that Babylon. Where is your faith? David said, I was once young and now I'm old. I've never seen a righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Don't be afraid. Stay true to Christ. But unbelief will catch reason. That's what it did. Now you get it. Unbelief Relies on reasons. Present day things. Faith won't do it. Faith looks at the Word. But faith places itself upon the unmovable rock of God's eternal Word. Amen! Faith don't look at reason. I don't care how much you can show it would be better. If the Word says no, faith rests there. That is the sanctuary of faith's resting place. I want to ask you Lutheran this morning, you Baptist and you Catholic and you whatever you are, you denominational people around the world, how can you place your faith upon on your denomination when it's contrary to the Word. What kind of a faith have you got? You got reasoning power and not faith. For faith cometh by hearing, hearing the Ecumenical Council. Because <laughs> you ever say, you might get that in the old lady's birthday almanac? But you never find it in God's Word. Amen. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Tell me that one man can speak anything contrary to that and say it's the Word of God. When heavens and earth will pass away, but that word shall not. Faith finds the Word, its sanctuary of rest. It moves right up on top of that eternal rock. Christ Jesus, the Word, and lays down there and rests. Let the winds howl. Let the storms shake. She's safe evermore. Amen. She rests right there on that Word. That's where faith, genuine Christian faith rests. Resting place is the Word. For it knows that God will ever prove Himself superior over every one of His enemies. No matter how bad it looks and how the enemies come in, how it looks like you're defeated, faith still knows. Now to you sick people, oh, how I'd like to drive this home. When you catch that faith that you're going to be healed, Every, every circumstance, everything else, all signs, all symptoms can point that you're dying. You'll never move. Amen. It's resting places in the sanctuary of God's Word when faith, genuine faith, sets itself there. Not make-believe now, faith. Not hope, but faith. Hope that you hoping it was in. Faith is already in looking out and saying it's done. That's faith. There's where faith takes its resting place, for it knows that God will never, never let the enemy ride over the top of him. He never has. Faith knows that. So, regardless of what the thing looked, Noah knew that ark would float. He certainly did. Daniel knew that God could close a lion's mouth. Amen. The Hebrew children know oh, that God could stop the fire. Hallelujah. Jesus knew that God would raise him up again because the word said, I'll not leave his soul in hell, neither will I suffer my holy one and see Need corruption set in in 72 hours, he said, within three days I'll raise up again. See, it took its eternal resting place in the sanctuary of God's word, and there it stood. Reason will try its best to recognize, well, this system's bound to be better. This is that. It looks better because you're looking with the intellectual mind. You can prove reasonings, but you can't prove faith. Because if you can prove it, it's no longer faith. But faith knows only the Word and the promise. And it looks to that thing that you do not see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can't reason. I can't prove how it'll be done. I don't know how it's going to be done. I don't know it. But I believe it. I know that it's so because God said so. that's, That's the reason I know that this is right. I know the Word's right. I know the message is right. For it's in the Word, and I see the living God moving among it to prove we're at an exodus. Certainly true. Even death itself can't shake faith. A man can stand right in the death, in the right in the face of death, and shout the victory of the resurrection. Paul, oh death, where is your stain? Grave, where is your victory? See? Because Christ raised up, and those that are in Christ will come forth with Him at His coming. Yeah, hmm? Can't change it. Yeah, faith makes the word of God. It's sanctuary of its eternal rest. It lays the Word of God. Notice again, now we just got a little bit longer, about 25 minutes. If you, if you don't mind. Hi. Huh. I want to continue this tape just a minute. Notice the king, that new king that raised up that didn't know Joseph, what was his first scheme to destroy the power of Israel? Was with their children. Is that right? He tried to destroy their children. Now listen close. The same devil in a different form of a kingship tried to destroy God's only son. See, get rid of the children first before they get a start. The devil is a real smart, shrewd bird. He knows how to hit the thing before he gets started. He knows it. See? And the only thing that you can ever do to beat him is rely on Christ and humble yourself and let him lead you. You'll never do it any other way. Your intellectual powers will never do it. You've got to believe it and just rely on him. He is the shepherd. It ain't the sheep's business to keep the wolf away. It's the shepherd's business. But the sheep must stay with the shepherd in order to stay safe. That's my safety zone. Is in Christ and Christ is the word. That's the safety zone. Notice, the devil in a farm of uh, Ramesses, a king, the first thing he done was get rid of the children with a natural death. And as soon as the Son of God was born, he had moved from Egypt because God destroyed Egypt. First, it's never come back since. Then he was in Rome. Satan moved his, his seat up to Rome. And the first thing Rome did to destroy it all, to get, be sure, the devil in that... Roman system tried to destroy what? The Son of God to begin with. Right? Same devil. And today he's done the same thing. On the sign of spirit now, religious. Professing Christianity and taking our girls and marrying them to Catholic boys and making them bring their children Catholic to break the power of the other side. There's your demon. There's your devil seated on seven hills. Wearing triple crowns, just as slick and cunning, smart, intellectual like the serpent. The seed of the serpent his oh, children using the same intellectual techniques. Look, then they kill the children in the other two times. They kill the children with what? Two times. Now, remember, watch that two and then three. He killed the children the first two times with natural death. And this last time, he's getting the children and killing them with spiritual death. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Marrying, intermarrying. Didn't Daniel say the same thing in this kingdom of the iron and clay, that they're mingling seeds, trying to break the power of the other people? And that's what they're doing? So they got the thing now, they got a president in, now the next thing you have to do is put, a, is put the cardinal in. <laughs> put the whole cabinet in, and then what are you going to do? Next thing they do, they take their money in and pay off the debt of the United States and borrow it from the church and then you're sold out. Yeah. Now we're, we're living today paying our foreign debts over there with tax money that won't be paid in until 40 years has passed. We have no more money. But the church has it. Don't the Bible say she was decked with gold? And... Oh, my. <laughs> but you, that's the way it does. See, marry your daughters. Your daughters, marry your sons. Raise your children Catholic. Exactly, it kills them with spiritual death. Didn't the Bible say that he would throw her in a bed of worldliness and kill her children with spiritual death? Amen. Revelation 17. See? It's always the Word. I don't care where you go, it's still the Word. It has to fit right in the picture. If it don't, it's not the Word. It's not the Word. If you can't make it go all the way through the Bible, then it's wrong. Look, during this time, God was training his servant for his work, training him out of their sight, out of their plans or schemes. Are you catching it? Out of their organizational system, God was training a man for his purpose. He just let him go on. Let him marry and have his wife and children, child, Gershom. He's living a pretty good life, blessing him out there. But all the time he was getting him ready, training. God and his enemy did in the natural then just like God and His enemy is doing in the spiritual now. They killed Him with natural death, now with spiritual death. See? God was getting a natural man ready, His prophet, to go down into Egypt. And Satan was getting Aramis's ready, his natural man, see? Getting a natural man ready. What? To kill off or unite all the Egyptians and Hebrews together and make them still serve Him. That's why it's so hard for... The mind to reason against an educational system that can prove its points. See, that's right. Mind will always go to the education. Intellectuals and reasoning mind don't even see it. Did you see uh, Cecil DeMille's um, uh, Ten Commandments? I guess many of you did. I don't believe in going to picture shows, all this stuff, but I recommended to the church that anybody that if they didn't have nothing but that, that wanted to see it, it would be all right if they wanted to see it because I would not let... Uh, first, some of my brethren went. they come telling me I hadn't been a, around one for many years. Finally, I went down here when it was at this drive-in. I looked at it. And I seen what it was, and I said to the church, if you want to go see that, it's all right. There it was, it was lovely, beautiful. How did that trick of the devil, how sly it was in there how he he moved in there to kill those children, and how that the intellectual mind picked it up and believed it because they could see it and it was reasonable. Oh, how God was all the time training this prophet and how uh, Egypt was training in politics this Ramesses to take over. And then the great contest came one day between intellectual and spiritual power. And Ramesses with all of his God's and standing out there and pouring water into to bless the God of the Nile, God struck him and blood flew out of him. It, oh, I, I thought it was striking you know, to see what taking place. Oh, not watch the intellectual will always goes to a reasoning, and it can't see the spiritual side because it's intellectual. Oh, neither could any other time. They can't see it now. They couldn't see it in the days of Elijah. How could this one old fuzzy face, a prophet, God forgive me for saying a thing like that, but I I miss making, God knows, I'm trying to make uh, make it as ridiculous as I can so that you can see the, the Spirit of God. Like Paul said, I never come to you speaking with enticing words and wisdom, for your minds would drift off to the wisdom, but I come with the power of the Holy Spirit that, your, that your, your, your hope and trust would rest not in the wisdom of man but in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm making this so ridiculous for calling that great godly prophet uh, with a fuzzy face because he might have been a, an awful looking thing to stand upside of a well-dressed priest and call himself a man of God to look at him. You can see the holiness of that priest in the intellectual mind. You can see the turban on his head and the turned around, and the ephah laying on his bosom here. You can see the anointing oil, natural upon his beard running down to the hems of his skirt. You can see the sacrifice fires burning in all the rituals and order. Now that's what the natural mind would have went to. That's what they're trying to do today. The eye, the gate to the soul. But you see the spiritual eye back in that eye. They looked at this old fuzzy-looking man standing there, hairs on his chest, and a great big piece of sheepskin wrapped around him of leather, a uh, girdle over his loins, with probably barefooted little old skinny arms, the uh, meat hanging down this way. And a white flowing beard all over his face, and a crooked stick in his hand standing there. But the spiritual eye could see the power of God moving out there because it's exactly yeah. with the Word. Yeah. Not what the intellect sees, what the spiritual eye sees. And uh, the natural eye today sees a glamorous church, a fellowship of the mayor of the city, or, or what more in these denominations, organizations. And they fail to see the power of the Holy Spirit when He can raise the dead and heal the sick. And, and, and how, see, they look at, the, they watch Hollywood and they watch the people on the street. The women today think, well, this woman, Susie, she belongs to the church. She's got her hair bobbed. She wears makeup. Everybody in town likes her. I wonder about heaven. Huh? When it's contrary to the Word, God can't endorse it. He would be endorsing against himself. He would be denying his own word. And be it known, God will never do that. Though heavens and earth pass away. A bob-haired woman is a curse in the sight of God. Amen. A woman that to put on a garment pertains to a man. See, the spiritual eye catches it. They live for hereafter. The natural mind lives to reason the carnal things of the day. Notice now, God doing this and yet the people didn't know it. The carnal mind was going with the reason. God is now calling a spiritual exodus. Where he called a natural exodus for his people. He's calling a spiritual exodus today. To his what? His elected. Only to his elected. Now, Egypt could not see Israel being right. Though the lamb's blood on the door and and the little post and the things that was taking place and God down there moving in this prophet taking a man's word, let him stand up there and take a, a staff that he is leaning on and reach towards the east and said, let there come fly and loaf over the Egyptians. Walked back there and everybody said, nothing happened. Nothing happened. But just in a little while, an old green fly must start circling around. After a while, they were probably two pounds per square yard that a man Oh, creation into existence. There was an intellectual uh, Ramesses standing there that was against a very religious man and against the spirit of the living God. And the natural mind could only see Ramesses. But the spiritual mind seen the promise. And seen it coming to pass. Well, if Joshua and Caleb could call those Amalekites and Hathites and Juvenites as though they wasn't there, they're twice or three or four times their size. And the natural mind of Kadesh Barnea, when the spies went over said, Oh, we can't do it. We're there they're too much. Well, we're like, we're like grasshoppers. But Caleb and Joshua, seeing God's promise, said we're more than able to do it. Amen. Amen. While they were looking, God said, I'll give you the land. See, the carnal mind don't get it. The spiritual mind picks it up. And why, I want to ask you something. Why didn't the Egyptians see these things? Because they was not elected. God told Abraham before it happened, Get it, you sleeping church! God told Abraham before it happened, Your seed will sojourn in, in Egypt for 400 years, and I'll bring them out. That's the reason they've seen it, because they were elected to see it. Amen. The election, Israel was elected Amen. to see the sign of God. Amen. And they went out of Egypt where the unbelievers perished. And today, God's calling His elected Amen. the Amen. spiritual seed of Abraham by the faith that he has in the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Don't you see the spiritual seed today? That don't see the intellectual church, it sees the word. Hallelujah. And it's being called from those big denominations into the presence of Jesus Christ. Was that clear? Did you get it? All right. We'll go further. The elected only. Dr. DLPH. And never see it. They wasn't elected. And remember, this election is coming out. It's just not going to another nation. It's going to glory. Where their names are wrote on the Lamb's Book of Life, not under the natural little animal lamb that brought Israel out, that they could backslide from there and go back. But this can't. This is under the blood of the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world and their names were put on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And they're in there elected and when that light flashes over them like that, then the denominational walls drop away from them and here in the town. Come. come out from among them, said the Holy Spirit in these last days. Touch not their unclean things. I'll be God to you. You be sons and daughters to me. Watch. Oh, Israel is watching they know that God dealt with His prophets. The Word come to them. And they come to see it. And they've seen it. And now, the intellectual sign, we see it now, that they're believing on their organizations. They're still in their creeds. Yet they, just like Balaam was, they come up to the top of the hill where Israel was. There was Israel. Not a nation. It was just a people. Floating around and were guilty. And Moab, his brother, the intellectual, the organized man, come up to the top of the hill with the bishop or the prophet they had, and put up an altar and offered the same sacrifice, but he failed to see the pillar of fire and the smitten rock among Israel. So is it today? The intellectual mind was looking at the celebrities standing there. They failed to see the smitten wrong. Even the bishop himself failed to see the power of the Holy Spirit, the shout of the king in the camp. They failed to see it. So that's the way it is again today. God is calling his elected people, and they are elected now. And now they are elected for what? For resurrection. And what kind of a sign is he showing them? Resurrection sign. What was he showing them in? A delivering sign to deliver them from the bondage. A sign of power that could shut the heavens or it could black the skies. And now he's showing the power of the resurrection of his son living among them to resurrect him from this grave and graveyard that we're in to the land that he's promised to us. Resurrection sign. Calling out of spiritual Egypt and spiritual Babylon. Knowing, let me say this uh, quietly now, that you'll catch it, doing it by the same system that he did at the beginning. (laughs) Same thing he's doing, blinding the eyes of the unbeliever, opening the eyes of the believer. I noticed, politics, doing it on the intellectual side, politics in church, politics in nations, Everything. And the other side is a hit away from them, a spiritual cause. God took one man in the wilderness, trained him up, and brought him back and took the thing over and brought the people out. See what I mean? He cannot change his program. He's God. He'll never deal with a group. He never did. He deals with an individual. And he did, and he will, and he promised even in Malachi for you do it. Amen. That's right. So there's his promise what he was, promise what he said he would do, and here we are. Amen. What a people happy we should be. Giving them the sign by his promise word sign. Promise word. He promised he would do it. And they shall restore the faith of the people, the hearts of the people back to the faith of the original Pentecostal Father. He promised to do it, showing his signs. And as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. What kind of a sign did the churches see at Sodom? What did the intellectual church see? Two preachers. What did the spiritual church elect Abraham and his group so God manifested in a body of flesh, of human flesh, Amen. that could discern the Spirit and tell what Sarah was saying behind him. Amen. As it was in the days of Amen. Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. We see the Holy Spirit among us doing the same thing. Amen. Working in human flesh. It's the hour. See? We're just here, friends. That's all. An exodus is on. But now, notice... He did it then, but what? Notice, and put on your spiritual thinking. May the Holy Spirit just lay back the old cap of indifference now and look close. Amen. God ever makes a decision to do anything one way, He can never change it. Amen. In the Garden of Eden, when He wanted to redeem a man back to fellowship, He made a decision. It was the blood. They've tried education, they've tried denomination, they've tried nationalize and everything else, and it never works. There's only one place that God will ever meet with a man that's under the shed blood like it was in Eden. It's never changed. Only place God met in the days of Job was under the sacrificial lamb. Only place He met in the days of Israel under sacrificial lamb. Like He did in the Garden of Eden under the sacrificial lamb. The only place He meets today is not in the denominations they fuss and stew amongst one another, not in church entity. They still do the same thing. Not in the intellectuals are all mixed up, but under the blood of the Lamb every believer can meet with fellowship Amen. where the life is. God chose in the days of the Exodus. He called out a group. And out of that group, I want you to notice something. He only got two. That went to the Promised Land. What did he choose to take him out by politics, organization? He chose a prophet with a supernatural sign of a pillar of fire. That the people wouldn't be mistaken. What the prophet said was the truth. God came down a pillar of fire and vindicated himself, showed his word. Is that right? That's what he brought his first Exodus. His second Exodus, God always goes in threes. He's perfect in threes. You all notice my preaching, it's always threes and sevens. Seven is a complete, threes is his perfection. First, second, third, pull, and third, oh, pool, oh, oh, and all, all, everything, see. Justification, sanctification, baptism, the Holy Ghost, Father, Son, everything, see. Notice, what did he do the first Exodus? He sent a prophet, anointed, with a pillar of fire. And he called the people out. That was his first exodus. And when Israel's time was up, he sent again a God prophet with a pillar of fire. John saw it descending from heaven like a dove. And he said, I go to God and I return to God. At his death, burial, and resurrection, saw Tarsus on his road down to Damascus, saw that same pillar of fire, and him being a Hebrew well taught in the Word, said, Lord... Who are you? He knew it was the Lord, that pillar of fire. He's a Hebrew. He said, Who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. The second exodus, he brought a prophet anointed, which was his son, God prophet. Moses said he'd be a prophet and had a pillar of fire and done signs and wonders. And that same prophet said that whosoever believeth in me, the works that I do shall he do also. And Yerry he promised the same thing in the Exodus in the last days and he cannot change it. Amen. And by scientific proof, by the witness of the Spirit, by the works of the Spirit, we see it today. The great pillar of fire moving among us and the signs and wonders of the resurrection of Jesus Christ calling the people from a denominationalism into the presence of Jesus Christ to live. Amen. Going to a land. No mistake, friends, it's not what I'm saying. I'm just your brother. But it's what God's proving to you. What makes it the truth? Same pillar of fire he used for the other two. He's brought it among you today and proved it by scientific. As you know, Life magazine packed it last month over there. Where, how many were sure hear me tell about that what happened before it did? I think about everyone in the church. There it is. They don't know what it's all about. The scientists are trying to... Anybody got a picture of it called in? A cloud 26 miles high in the shape of a pyramid. Seven angels represented in there brought back and brought you the Word of God under the inspiration It tells you these hours that you're coming and living in. The spiritual mind will pick that right now. It's an exodus. We're going to leave one of these days. Thanks be to God. Remember, Now I'll close just a minute. I've got 10 minutes. Notice, the pillar of fire that called them out led them to the promised land under the anointing of a prophet. A pillar of fire that they could look at. Led them to the promised land under an anointed prophet. And they constantly turned him down. Is that right? Sure. Now, I know we've got to have a baptismal service i got about six pages more here, I guess. But I'm going to stop now just in a minute. Watch it. We are in a calling out. Come out of Babylon, my people, said the angel's voice. Out of what? Confusion. Is the Methodist right or the Baptist or the Catholic? Come out of it. God is right. How do you know? Let every man's word be a lie and mind the truth come out of it. What do you know? The same pillar of fire. The same anointing spirit leading to the promised land. Notice. Led them, brought them out, led them to the promised land, Israel, the nation, and the same God, the same pillar of fire, that only, they say that the, um, that, uh, that camera, when you read George J. Lacey, not me now, you le- read where George J. Lacey examined that picture. The head of the FBI for fingerprinting documents, there's his statement. Someone says a double exposed lens. Tens of thousands of people have looked at it with their own eyes. We stood here and looked at it. You've looked at it. Yeah. It isn't. They said it was an optical illusion. What did Mr. Lacey say? the mechanical eye of this camera won't take psychology. (laughs) What an optical illusion that's there. The same pillar of fire. Then they say, oh, well, that was an illusion. Now, cameras all for in hundreds of miles of Tucson, six months before it happened, we told you by the Holy Spirit I would be going there to pick up the news because the pyramids riding on the outside as a brother had the dream. Now, I interpret it to you. That's the entire interpretation. Now, all the mysteries of justification, sanctification, baptism, the Holy Ghost is done explained. Now, picking up the loose ends of that, which is concealed in the seven seals, not the seven churches, the seven seals reveal the mysteries. And then he opened this thing up the top and found... A rock in there white but had never been wrote on is a mystery. Go to Tucson, foretell it before it happened, stand north of Tucson, witness it standing here with it. When a blast comes and shook the mountains off the ground almost. And at the same time a circle of light hanging out in the air when the scientists stuck the pictures now twenty six miles high, about five times the distance of fall green thing could be. And they can't even find what did it. Amen. It shall be light about the evening time. Amen. Hallelujah. The path to glory you will surely find. If you're elected. If that seed falls upon dry grounds or upon rocks, it'll never do nothing. Hard stony hearts. It wants to be indifferent, but if it'll fall upon the soft mellow ground of faith, it'll bring forth a Christian. Bearing fruits of the Spirit. Notice how that God did that. Now he's got that same pillar of fire that's vindicated. Somebody said, won't you go tell them scientists about that? Do you think they'd believe it? Cast not your pearls before swine. Huh? Jesus said not to you. I have no leadings to do it. Yet living right in the city there where they was calling for it, I thought I'd go down and the Holy Spirit said, stay away. Not to them. Go back and tell the tabernacle. Amen. Yeah. All right. And it shall come to pass. If what they say comes to pass, then remember, I have spoken, the Lord says to him. Before it happens, there it happens. Listen to the Bible, it's the voice of God calling to you in this day. Now, I want you to notice. This same pillar of fire is leading the people again to a promised land. The millennium. What we found under the inspiration of this sixth seal, it's never been taught before how the earth has to be purified for the millennium. The pillar of fire is leading them to a millennium. And notice, the pillar of fire that led Israel from the bondage in that exodus. The pillar of fire, under the leadership of God, God was the fire, and the pillar of fire only anointed the prophet. The pillar of fire was to stand as a heavenly witness, that Moses was called out. You remember Dathan and Am said, well, we ought to start an organization. Moses takes too much upon yourself. You try to say you're the only holy one among us. All the congregation of the Lord is holy. How can you take this up on yourself? And Moses fell on his face and started weeping. God said, separate yourself from him. I'll yeah. uh, just open up the earth and swore him away. Type. How can Moses told him that he was telling him what God had said? God vindicating it to be the truth. Even Miriam, the prophetess herself, and Aaron laughed at Moses for marrying that Ethiopian girl. Making fun of him. And God got angry. Speak against his servant. What did he do? He called him out to the tabernacle door. And Miriam, yet she was a prophetess. But Moses was more than a prophet. More than a prophet. He said, don't you fear God? If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will speak to him in visions and make myself known to him in dreams. But said, not Moses... So don't you fear God? She's she's half dead with leprosy that minute. You know that. Didn't he say, John the Baptist, did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, more than a prophet. Ever. Why? Why was he more than a prophet? He was the messenger of the covenant. Ever. The ark that blended those two dispensations together. And today the what we have among us, this great Holy Spirit, is more than a prophet. Amen. It's God manifested among us Amen. with his word to prove it. Amen. Does more than a prophet. Thousands times more than the prophets do. Hallelujah. Elijah, the, one of the greatest prophets of the age, only done four things supernaturally in all of his life of eighty something years. And Elisha, the double potion, done eight. And we see thousands times thousands. Amen. With our own eyes, look at the angel of the Lord in a pillar of fire. Scientific search, taking it to the world, knowing if they're going to be judged by it. What did that land do? That angel of the Lord, which was Christ. You believe it? St. John 6, they all drinking this water and having a big time and rejoicing. He said, I'm the bread of life that come from God out of heaven. I'm that rock that was in the wilderness. They said, "Now we know you're crazy. You're you're crazy. You, you got a devil on you. You're a crazy man with a devil." You know, people get a spirit on. Sometimes they get very active, religious. They said, "You are you're a devil. You got a devil on you. You're a Samaritan, and you got a devil on you." Said, "And you're, you're not even more than fifty years old." And say, "You've seen Abraham? I can see him step back a couple of steps." That I am that I am. Amen. Before Abraham was, I am. Amen. That was a burning Hallelujah. fire, a pillar of fire in the bush. When he died and rose on the third day and Saul met him on the road down, he was back to that pillar of fire. He said, I come from God and I go to God. When Peter was in prison, that pillar of fire come in, open the doors and took him on on the outside. That's right. Where did that pillar of fire that- lead him? Now, remember, Moses was not the pillar of fire. He was the anointed leader under that pillar of fire, and the pillar of fire only vindicated his message with signs and wonders. And that pillar of fire led them to the land that God promised them, where he himself would be made flesh among them someday. Is that right? What do they do? Murmured and squirmed and everything else to show it's not the blood of an ordinary lamb. But this time, glory to God, the pillar that we see among us, the pillar of fire, will lead us to the millennium
1: where He will return to His
0: people. And that great millennium reign after this exodus where we'll live eternally with Him. He always has the word of the Father always proves that it's right. We are in an exodus. And leaving and turning the tapes off in a moment. Oh, my friends, my brothers, both present and that will hear the tapes, let me as your brother and citizen of the kingdom of God come out in this exodus For all that's left behind will bear the mark of the beast. Come out of Babylon. Come out of this confusion. Come out of these systems and serve the living God. Let this great angel of the covenant, Jesus Christ, in the form of God, thought it not robbery, but become equal with God. Now, he's a pillar of fire in the same form that he was back there, bringing that first exodus, bringing the second exodus, and here he is with the third exodus. The first exodus, what did he do? He brought them out of a natural land to a natural land. The second exodus, he brought them out from a spiritual condition into a spiritual baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, he's bringing them from the spiritual baptism of the Holy Ghost right back into the eternal land of the millennium and the great hereafter. Yes. Same pillar of fire by the same anointed system, the same God doing the same things, and the same Word declared the first one, declared the second one, the same Word declared the second one, has declared the third one, and here we see it among us. Come out! Hallelujah. Oh, come out of this chaos! Come to the living God. Come to the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And now, He's in our flesh, dwelling among us. Come out and serve the living God while we bow our heads. My people, I shall speak unto thee even in this hour. Yea, even as I have said to this prophet this day, Come out of her, my people. I say unto thee, I am the Almighty God. I look from the balconies of heaven this day. Yea, my voice is declared in the midst of thee. Wilt thou move out and follow the night that I have given unto thee? For I say unto thee, My people, I am the Almighty God. My word has never changed. I have brought it forth unto thee. Wilt thou obey? Yea, wilt thou hearken unto all that I have given unto thee, saith the Lord. With your heads bow. From the depths of your soul, from the depths of all that's in you, are you willing to remember To you're ready to stop all the things of the world and live for God? Now, if you don't mean this, don't you do it. But if you do mean it with all your heart that you're now convinced, as Jesus said at the end of His ministry, now do you believe? Are you convinced That these things are right, vindicated by God. And uh, we're at the end time. And you truly want to come to Christ now. Come in this exodus of calling out of indifference, denominationalism, ideas, and things of the world. And you want to surrender wholeheartedly to Him and come out in the exodus for the blessed promised land. Will you raise your hands while we pray? Are you really sure that you want to come out? Everyone. Heavenly Father, those who have their hands up, let them come out now, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit, upon promise of the Word, let the Holy Spirit move into their hearts. Out of our congregation, there was about 20 hands, I suppose, Father, that's satisfied and knows that it's, that it's true. And they want to come out. If there was in the days of the coming out of Israel, out of two and a half million people, only two made the land. In the days of Jesus Christ, there was about a hundred and twenty made it. And now in the days of the ending of the world, you said, Straight is a gate, and narrow is a way, and but few there will be that find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many will go in. Them words cannot fail. They are yours. Now, I pray for them, Lord. I pray that you will this hour, by your Holy Spirit, circumcise them hearts. Take out all the things of the world, circumcise their ears for they can hear plainly the God's voice calling through his word and through the light of the day and grant Lord that their eyes will be open that they might see the glory of God in this last closing hour you said all that the Father has given me will come and I'll raise them up at the last day and Lord, Maybe there's many here that doesn't as yet understand. I pray that you'll deal with them and will let them have another opportunity, Lord, that they might be able to understand, to hear you speaking through your word, proving yourself, and then speak to us in the supernatural voice, and then with an interpretation, to see your great works proven the truth, according to the Bible. I pray God that you'll forgive us of our sins now. And as I lay myself across this Word, God, I'm thinking that just a week ago I I laid myself across a dead man on the floor here. I've seen the great Holy Spirit bring him back to life. His eyes turned back in the back of his head, laying dead. Just a little few words of calling your name, I've seen him live. Here he is today, alive yet, Lord, you're the same God that when Paul laid himself across that void listening to him preach along. So that man that fell from the window, you're the same God that can restore life. We thank you, Father. May the unbeliever may not believe, but we believe, Lord. Thou hast proved yourself to us. Now, let the meditation of my heart and the thoughts of my mind my strength and all be melted into this Word. And let the Word and I together, Lord, with the people march towards the kingdom of God. Grant it, Lord. Forgive our sins, heal our sickness, and make us subjects of Your kingdom. And now as these are coming, Lord, and the pool is being opened, the water is ready, and the baptism will be starting in a few minutes. We remember when this same gospel was preached the Bible said, as many as believe was baptized. There's handkerchiefs laying here, Lord, that I bless in the name of Jesus Christ. For the healing of the sick. Now, when our services are long drawn out, for the hours are late, we must put the Word in while there is a ground to put it in. For the cold winter's coming, we see it, the leaves are falling. And we know that winter is close at hand. We must scratch the surface and bear the seed. So I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will speak to every heart. And the Bible said, "As many as believe was baptized." And Lord, if there's not many here that has believed and never been baptized yet, in the name of Thy beloved Child Jesus, may they come this morning, sweetly and humbly, of confessing their sins and dying out to the things of the world to be buried, to take on the name of Jesus Christ to live godly hereafter Amen. by the help of the Holy Spirit. We commit them to you now, Lord, for this purpose in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now we turn the service to Brother Neville and whatever he's got to say while getting ready for baptismal service. And tonight at 7.30, the Lord willing, I want to tape this other message. God bless you Tony.